Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. to be with you guys and uh, slow down and just appreciate all the Lord is doing amongst ourselves, right? Um, just so wonderful. I just want to resonate and say thank you to Lorato and the family for supporting Akani through such a uh, rigorous study uh, schedule. I know how much it, it sacrifices a family has to make. And, um, and so we just, again, thankful for the Lord's grace and that as well. This is my final Sunday with you guys and my family for this year. Uh, this Friday, we will be traveling to the U.S. Um, to be with many other family, extended family that you know so well. And so we're excited to go visit with them uh, for all the opportunities we get to teach God's Word uh, when we're there and present some of the ministry and things that the Lord's doing here. And uh, so we'll be sending lots of greetings um, to the family that side. You can also pray for Sarah Ray. As a, this is her last week. She's leaving this week as well. She'll be on furlough. Uh, for a couple of weeks and uh, so coming back in the new year and so again we're thankful for all she's doing uh, at Living Hope Church and the way she served us so well but I also want to thank all of you uh, for being here and serving so faithfully it is just such a joy to be a church family it truly is something unique and God-given that we can come week after week fellowship get into each other's lives and surround ourselves on God's truth and so we want to do that now as well as we open up back to Galatians chapter 5 Galatians chapter 5 if you are not familiar then you will know that you need to know that we are walking our way through the fruit of the Spirit we have come to un- trying to unpack what it means to live by the Spirit and growing in the fruit of the Spirit so please take your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 and we'll read from verse 22 once again Paul writes but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there are there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the Spirit Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now today we are going to be talking about the fruit of patience. The fruit of patience. So far in our study of the fruit of the Spirit, we have talked about the fruit of love, we've talked about joy and peace. And we have seen that the fruit of the Spirit is indeed the fruit of who God wants us to be. Because when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. Living by the Spirit means that you are walking by the Spirit and you are being led by the Spirit. And you are growing and becoming more like Jesus, displaying the fruit of Christ in very clear 
and visible ways. Now if we look at our lives, I'm pretty sure that every one of us here would like to grow in the fruit of patience. Because when we think about patience, you realize that every day we want things to go the way we want them, but when they don't go that way, it is a good test of our patience, right? Because being patient comes from the prideful frustration that we don't control what happens in our lives. And because we are not the ones who are sovereignly in control of all the details of life, it means so often that we must wait. Because patience requires waiting. But the problem is that we get tired of waiting. And as a result, we get impatient with God and with other people. Because maybe you're tired of waiting for God to grant you healing from all your physical problems. Maybe you're tired of waiting for God to give you that financial breather. Maybe you're tired of waiting for a godly spouse or for having children or maybe that new job. You might even be tired of waiting that someone you love and care about should come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we get frustrated because we don't know how long we will have to wait. And most of the time our impatience is seen in how we respond to other people. Because we get tired of bearing with that person at church who annoys me so much. Who you secretly wish that you don't have to interact with them at all. Or maybe it's heard with your children when your speech indicates that they regularly don't use the brain power that God has given them. Perhaps you get tired of having to be patient with your spouse who promises they will change. But it's happening slowly, if anything. What about that person who is on their Sunday drive in front of you, but it's Monday and you have to get to work on time. And the thing is, we can easily make excuses for not having patience with other people. I mean, you hear it when we say things like, Come on, come on, I don't have time. I'm busy. Well, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired. I didn't get good sleep last night, so don't test my patience. And once impatience becomes a normal pattern of your life, it usually leads to other sin as well. Because when you are looking to get what you want now, you run into other compromises along the way. King Saul is actually a good example of this. First Samuel 13, we see how Saul was tired of waiting for God's prophet Samuel. And out of fear and wanting to take control, he disobeyed what God had commanded. He made the sacrifice that he was not allowed to make. And as a result, Samuel comes and says to him, What have you done? Saul tries to explain and make his excuses to Samuel. And then Samuel says, You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which He commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, your kingdom shall not continue. Pretty significant consequences for being impatient. 
people do similar things today when they make excuses and perhaps accumulate massive credit card debt and fund the stuff they want because they're not willing to wait and be wise and saving for it. People marry unbelievers and compromise on their gospel convictions thinking that singleness is some sort of disease that needs a cure. Our honking horns, our loud shouting at other people all indicate how impatient we really are. And honestly, the amount of disunity that's even in the church indicates how little patience we have with each other. And so the question then is, can we really be patient when life doesn't go the way we want or expect? Can we really be patient people when life doesn't go the way we want or expect it? Well, praise God that because of His patience with us in Jesus and because of His indwelling Holy Spirit, we no longer have to be caught up in a life of being impatient. Because God not only sets us free from ourselves and our flesh so that we can now be patient people through what Jesus did on the cross, but He empowers us through the Holy Spirit to grow and being more patient every single day. But what exactly is patience? How would you define patience? Because the Bible talks about patience in a variety of ways. In Colossians 3.12, we are commanded to put on patience. Paul says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Because you know what it comes down to? It comes down to having a kind of long-suffering that has a positive effect on those around you. In other words, patience can be described as the diligent practice of godliness while you wait for God to do what He wants to do. Right? The patience can be described as the diligent practice of godliness while you wait for God to do what He wants to do. Because what we will see today is that the Bible makes it clear that patience is learning to wait on the Lord. It's to be steadfast in times of suffering and to be slow to anger, being able to bear with other people in love. Because we are talking about the fruit of God in our lives, we see that God is not just our source of love. God is not just our source of joy. God is not just our source of peace. But He is the very root and essence of patience as well. The foundation to our patience is the patience of God himself. In Exodus 33:13, Moses is asking God to show more of God's way to him so that he can know how to find, find favor in God's sight. And God said he is going to pass before Moses because God is so holy. So holy. And he has to pass before Moses in this unique way. And then in Exodus 34, 6, he does. But what does he reveal? He says, the Lord passes before him and proclaimed, the Lord the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In other words, what Moses comes to know is that God is a patient God. 
He says, God, show me more of you. God says, look at me. I am a patient God. He's gracious and slow to anger. And this God that Moses wanted to understand better teaches us that being patient and slow to anger is something that is good and glorious. Being patient is good and glorious. Isaiah 48 verse 9. God says, For my name's sake I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise I restrain it from you that I might not cut you off. God says through the prophet Isaiah that because of who He is, which is patience, that Israel would not experience the judgment they deserve. In fact, it was this attribute of God that irritated Jonah, right? Because instead of judging the wicked Ninevites, God's patience caused Jonah to run in the opposite direction of what God wanted him to do. But then you see God's patience and His providence at work here. When Jonah ends up where God wants him to be, because God's patience and His providence leads people to salvation. Paul picks up on this when later in Romans 9.22 he says, What if God, designed to show His wrath and to make known His power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy, which He has prepared beforehand for glory. In other words, God's patience shows His power, His mercy, and His righteous judgment, all in the context of God saving those He has always planned to save, Jew and Gentile alike. Part of the very issue we have here in Galatians. And in Galatians we have seen how God, through the Apostle Paul, issues multiple warnings again and again against listening to these false teachers, showing us patience and how patience can lead people back to the right path. How being this new diverse church in Galatia and this, this new family requires godly patience and how people from different backgrounds relate to each other in Jesus Christ. But you see, patience might not seem like a big deal in a world like today where everything seems to be so impatient. Because people might think of it as something you have to be when you don't have a choice. I mean, I was stuck the other night, it reminded me of this, we were stuck between two cars at the drive-thru at Steers, and the person in front of me was struggling to make payment for their food. But man, I didn't really have much of a choice, because I couldn't go forward or I couldn't go back. I was stuck in the middle. I guess I had to be patient, even though I was struggling with that in the moment. But because God is patient, and His patience leads people to true salvation in Him, we recognize that patience is a powerful fruit that can radically impact other people's lives. Because someone that is cultivating the godly fruit of patience while waiting for God to do what He wants to do is going to be used by God to make Himself known to those who don't know Him. And so we want to grow to be patient people. But how? How? 
what we will see today is that we can cultivate gospel-powered patience first when we understand the patience of Jesus. Secondly, when we understand time. And thirdly, when we understand our relationships. So firstly, we, we can grow and cultivate gospel-powered patience when we understand the patience of Jesus. See, one of the reasons you might struggle and growing in patience is because you don't have many good role models of patience in your life. Maybe you don't have a patient boss or a teacher, patient parents or even a flatmate that you might know to be able to model what patience looks like. But we can grow in patience when we look at the greatest role model there is, which is Jesus. Because Jesus had to be very, very patient while He was living among us. Just think about this at the very basic level. Jesus understood what it was like to be hungry. And He had to wait for His Father's provision. He knew what it was like to be tired and depend on His Father for strength. He knew what it was like to be patient with all these basic realities of life. In fact, He was very patient with people who had the wrong theology. We know the Pharisees, right, who needed constant correcting and understanding grace. He had to be patient with the disciples who needed repeated instructions about God's plan. Jesus had to be patient with a government that was so corrupt and who made all these rules that were evil and selfish. And He knew what it was like to be patient when people would turn against you. And so the reality is, Jesus knows what it's like to have to be patient in a fallen world. He gets it. Because whatever you might be struggling with in terms of patience, Jesus was there a long time before you. So look at what Peter encouraged us with, and what we can learn about how to be patient as we look at Jesus. In a time where there was a lot of injustice happening at that time. First Peter 2.21 For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges Justly. See, we can start to cultivate patience when we look at the example of Jesus and follow in His steps. Because even when Jesus was reviled or insulted or hated by others, what does He do? He does not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not make any threats of His own. But He patiently trusted that situation to His Father in heaven knowing that God will one day bring justice as it's needed. I mean, even in a moment where he finds himself at the hands of evil men and women, being nailed to a cross for nothing he did wrong, how does Jesus respond? Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And you're like, how could Jesus do that? 
How can he stay so patient in the most brutal moment of injustice? And it's because he trusted everything to the sovereign will of his Father. In that moment, as Jesus being punished for our sin, He was displaying gospel-powered patience so that we no longer have to be impatient people who live for the instant gratification and comfort, but rather people who trust in the will of God. And we know that God is going to make all things right because we live with that same kind of hope and assurance as Jesus did. That what needs restoration will be restored. That what needs what's damaged will be fixed. That all that corruption will end. Jesus waited patiently for that day, and so can we. And so ask yourself, do you have people in your life that you can think of that show you what gospel-powered patience looks like? Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.4, that patience is a very important for leaders in the church. And this is pretty convicting and humbling at the same time. He writes, And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Because look at what this patience can do. Verse 25, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So can we see that patience is pretty important? I've seen it when leaders of this church come under the attack from people who have gone astray. And I've seen how their patience in those moments and pursuing these people with truth was used by God to move people to repentance. And so we need to keep imitating Jesus and imitate other godly patient people in our lives if we are going to cultivate gospel-powered patience. Because another way we can cultivate gospel-powered patience is when we understand time. Number two, when we understand time. We can easily become impatient when life is hard and we don't know when the trial or the suffering is going to end. However, the wisdom of James helps us to think about our impatience in a different way. Let's read from James 5, starting in verse 7. He writes, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. The early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you've seen the purpose of the Lord. Now the Lord is compassionate and merciful. See, James is helping us put time into perspective. 
He helps us to recognize that patience grows when we trust God for what is needed. He gives the example of a farmer again. The farmer plants his seeds but then must wait for it to grow. You must wait for God to send the rain that the seeds require in order for them to grow. And many times the farmer like us wonders, is the rain going to come? Is the rain really going to come? Because the seed might not be growing the way the farmer wants it to grow. But then James says, our patience will be strengthened and sustained if we look at the example of someone like Job. Remember Job. We can see how Job was able to put suffering and patience in the right context of God's timing and providential work in his life. So we all remember the story of Job, right? God allows Satan to kill Job's children. And Job responds with this incredible cry of, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be God, right? And then next, Job is struck by disease. And his wife tells him, just curse God and die, Job. Job 2 verse 9. But Job responds with faith in God and patience in suffering. When he says, Job 2.10, Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? And what Job is saying is that God knows exactly what He's doing. Even allowing us to suffer. Because at the end of Job, in Job 42, He says, I know that you, talking to God, can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Nothing can stop the plan of God. And Job's faithfulness and patience was rooted in knowing that God's timing in all the details of life is perfect. And that He has a great purpose with it. And so we cultivate patience when we establish our hearts, like James says, knowing that even while we wait for Jesus to come back, God is at work in our lives right now, even through suffering. Paul is someone that understood the timing and patience in the context of suffering. Because what does he call these troubles? He says they are light and momentary. How can he say that? 2 Corinthians 4.17 For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. I mean, you might even just have a cold this week or maybe even a more severe disease, but we grow impatient when we think this is how it's going to be all the time. But the reality is that suffering is temporary because God is sovereign and ridiculously loving towards us. We know that He will put an end to our suffering at just the right moment. At just the right moment. Maybe it's a little bit like when you go to the doctor and you get this injection. What does the nurse or the doctor usually tell you? Don't worry, this will just be a quick thing. Or this will be over soon, I promise. And that helps with our expectations, right? It helps to deal with the pain. Now this is what God is saying to you if you are suffering right now. That you can cultivate gospel-powered patience when you understand that in light of eternity and Jesus coming back soon, the Lord is at hand, James says. 
your suffering will also come to an end. That it's easier to bear something painful when you know that it's not forever. But through the eyes of faith, you can look at God's providence, His timing, His love towards you in Jesus, and praise God like Job, or perhaps like the psalmist does in Psalm 30, verse 11, which says, You have turned me from my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing Your praise and not be silent. Oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to You forever. The psalmist is writing after coming through a severe time of suffering. Because here's the reality. When the Spirit of God is at work in your life, your patience and long-suffering is marked by joy. Look at Colossians 1.11. Paul says, Praise and being strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You see, gospel-powered, patient people are not people who grumble in secret where no one can see. They don't seem to bottle up all their bitterness. Because people who are filled with the Spirit of God and the power of God find strength in Him, when your life is met with challenges, and one of the results from the strength you find in God is that your patience is marked with joy. In other words, it's when you are so happy or filled with joy in the Lord that even when inconvenience or some kind of trial or interruption comes into your life, you can still have patience that flow out of a heart that has true joy in God. I'll give you an extreme picture of this. There was a man, a well-known theologian called B.B. Warfield. He was this great author who passed away in 1921. But maybe what's not so well-known about him is that he got married when he was 25. And on his honeymoon, on his honeymoon, he traveled with his new bride to Germany. And there was this massive storm, way worse than these lightning storms we see here in Pretoria. And his wife was struck by lightning. And she was left paralyzed. And in just one moment, their lives changed forever. And Warfield had to care for his paralyzed wife patiently for 39 years. And one author who writes about Warfield says, Because of his wife's extraordinary needs, Warfield almost never left his home for more than two hours at a time for 39 years. But then later in one of his writings, Warfield himself writes, when he was thinking about Romans 8.28, which talks about how God works all things together for good for those who love Him. Warfield said, The fundamental thought is that the universal government of God's providence. All that comes to you is under His controlling hand. The secondary thought is the favor of God to those who love Him. If He governs all, then nothing but good can befall those whom He would do good. This is a man that's caring for his paralyzed wife for 39 years. 
He will so govern all things that He will sh- He shall reap only good from all that befalls us. You see, even in having this, this newly married life being disrupted and seeing his wife permanently paralyzed, Warfield was able to have the strength and joy and patience to care for his wife because he found his strength in God. He knew that God loved him. He knew that God loved her. And the same is true for those who belong to Him because we find joy and comfort in knowing that God knows exactly when our suffering will end. That we can keep sowing the seeds in faithfulness and obedience and yet trust Him for the growth and the provision we need. And we recognize that when trials come into our lives that they are the chosen curriculum for us to learn and to change in order for us to become as patient as Jesus. And so God might be providentially allowing you to go through a certain trial so that you can learn to be more patient, to be faithful, and to trust Him and long for Him so that your life displays a kind of patience and a kind of joy and a kind of strength that can only come from God. we can grow in gospel-powered patience when we understand the example of Jesus, when we understand time, and now finally, thirdly, when we understand our relationships. When we understand our relationships. God wants the people He has shown great patience toward to be patient people. Because God wants us to be patient with one another. Ephesians 4, 2. Paul writes and says, we need to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then Paul explains what this looks like. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And we can all confess that bearing with other people, especially if they are so different from us, can be very hard. And that's the problem in the Galatian church that Paul is addressing because... The reality is we serve and worship alongside people who are undisciplined, who are fearful and full of doubt, and who keep falling into sin. However, to the church in Thessalonica, Paul wrote and said, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. How can I be patient with these kinds of people? How can I be patient when I want things to go this way, but they want it to go that way? Well, let's consider again the wisdom of God. Proverbs 19.11, which says, God, good sense, makes one slow to anger. And it is His glory to overlook an offense. See, someone that is wise and growing in discernment is going to be someone that knows when to overlook an offense. Because we can easily have these big toes that we keep talking about, these big toes, and then allow the smallest of details in the church family, in this diverse church family, like we have here at Living Hope, to cause us to be offended. To become impatient with one another. Proverbs 16.32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. 
I mean, do you see there is a strength of character demonstrated when someone is patient? In other words, gospel-powered patience is a picture of might, not weakness. Someone that is patient is a picture of someone that is stronger than a person who can take down a city. Proverbs 25.15 With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Someone that is patient is someone that is persuasive persuasive. Instead of losing your temper and using your words to show your impatience at other people, God says that gospel-powered patience allows you to win the ear of other people. It allows you to make an impact in their lives. Because one of the ways you grow in patience and not become angry and frustrated with others is when you remember how patient God has been with you. I mean, you remember how Blake preached about the unforgiving servant a few weeks ago, Matthew 18, 21. That is such a good example of how we are with God and with other people. The servant had this massive debt that he owed to the king, and he begged for patience and for mercy. And the king gave him the patience and the mercy, but then he had the opportunity to show that same patience to someone who owed him money. But what did he do? He ignored the plea for patience. And he put this guy who owed him money in prison. And that's our problem as well. We beg and ask God for mercy and for patience with us, but we don't want to extend the same mercy and patience toward other people. So imagine I asked you to draw up a list. Imagine I gave you pen and paper right now, and I said, draw up a list of all the ways the Lord has been patient with you in just the last 24 hours. How would that change the way you are patient with other people? What if you even recall the, the first memory verse we had for this year? When you are struggling to be patient with someone else. Do you even remember what that was? Lamentations 3.22 The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, the covenant love of God toward you never ends. Even if you have missed up. His forgiving and restoring mercies never come to an end, no matter how many times we need them. His grace towards us is new every morning. How about your grace towards someone else? His faithfulness is so great that it causes us to slow down and be patient with other people. Because God is so very patient with us. That's why Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3.13, he says, Put on patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And here's the thing, if the Spirit of God is at work in your life, and in the life of your brother and your sister in the church, then we know God is busy making them more like Jesus, and your patience might just be the convincing influence to help them grow. And so the next time 
your buttons are getting pushed and you're getting irritated. When someone is getting under your skin, think of the skin that was pierced for you. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes the church as a body that is fundamentally connected to each other. And then in verse 22 he says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts we treat with greater modesty. And so you ask yourself, how would my conduct toward a weaker brother or sister change if I saw them as being indispensable? In other words, how does my attitude and my patience toward them change when I realize that they are a crucial part of God's family? They are a crucial part of my family. But what if we grow in patience when we bestow honor on those less mature as a way of building them up? Instead of trying to keep our frustrations under a lid, we don't. Why don't we rather actively in love pursue other people instead and seek to be a gospel powered influence in their lives as a means of growing in patience? Because one of the ways we grow in patience is when we realize we are growing in patience together. We are growing in patience together. I mean, imagine sitting in a dark building late at night, alone. There's load shedding. You're all alone. It'd be pretty scary. Most people would be intimidated by that. But what if someone comes along and says, "Hey, I am here with you." How much comfort does does that bring you in that moment? That is the picture of what the church is like, because we are a body, and because Jesus is the head, we can learn from each other and help each other to be more patient. Because as 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. Love is patient. That is why if we are growing in love for one another, we will also be growing in patience toward one another. And part of how we do that is becoming better listeners. Again, this is the wisdom from James. James says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone who be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So much of our anger and our impatience can be avoided if we become better listeners. So much of the ways we offend each other and get irritated by each other can be avoided if we actually become fast at listening and then process that information better in the light of gospel truth and respond to each other with patience in our words and our temper. Proverbs 14.29 again. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. In fact, one of the responsibilities we have as we wait for Jesus to come back is to get wisdom. Is to get wisdom. I shared that with the class when we were talking about biblical decision making. And the question was, if I said to you, I was able to give you any house you wanted, any car you wanted, pay for every single holiday for the rest of your life. Or I could give you wisdom. What would you choose? 
all your bills paid for the rest of your life, or wisdom, what would you choose? Because listen to Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Because patience doesn't mean we never act. But it does mean we act carefully. And for that you need wisdom. And we need to seek it more than anything else. I mean, Akani's testimony was just true of that, wasn't it? We need wisdom for when we speak and for when we keep quiet. We need wisdom to be patient. And that wisdom comes from when we store up God's commandments in our hearts. This is what Proverbs 2 says. When we make our ears attentive to truth, learning from other people, when we call out for insight and raise our voices to God in prayer. And this kind of wisdom and patience becomes a way of life because wisdom is a way of life. Patience is a way of life. And God wants us to pursue godliness while we wait for Him to do what He wants to do. And a life of change where someone that used to be very impatient but now is growing in patience themselves makes the gospel of Jesus even more powerful. I mean, Paul wrote Timothy and said to him in 1 Timothy 1.16, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. We saw this in our study of Galatians, right? The Apostle Paul became the example of someone that was radically changed by the gospel of grace. And it was a change in his life that made the patience of Jesus even more clear. Your life as a testimony of the grace of Jesus and the patience of Jesus also lets us cultivate more patience when you help people see how the grace of Jesus leads people to salvation. That whatever comes into our lives is not simply disruption that should make us impatient, but it's God sovereignly at work to put His Spirit-empowered patience on display in us and through us. Because patience is a powerful tool in the hands of a patient God. Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You can't leave here today and think that patience is not something significant to God. God wants us to grow in the fruit of patience. And we can because we have His patient Holy Spirit. Because godly, spiritful patience has the power to lead people to repentance and trust in God. 
So let us cultivate patience together, looking at Jesus, looking at how God is at work in our lives through suffering, trusting His timing in all the details, waiting with hope for Jesus to return, and looking at our relationships, being able to forbear with one another in love, because we have been shown so much patience ourselves in Christ. I close with this final quote where one man says, Patience flows from a humble embrace from what we do and don't know and cannot control. Because we know God will get done what He wants to get done. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that You are so very patient with us. Father, indeed, if we had to make a list of everything that we require your patience with just in the last 24 hours, Lord, we would be overwhelmed. And so we look again at Jesus Christ, patiently enduring all that suffering, all that injustice, so that we can be set free from a life of instant gratification, a life of self, a life of wanting things to go the way we want. And so thank you, Father, for reminding us today that we can trust you in the details. We can wait patiently with hope, knowing that Jesus is at hand, the Lord is at hand, that you know exactly when our suffering will end. And that, Father, that you would allow us to grow in, in patience and in love toward one another that we seek to imitate Christ as we leave here. And Father, you give us the opportunities, even as we forbear with one another, to grow in our patience towards one another, and to grow in our affections towards one another. Thank you, Lord, that you use patience as this mighty evangelistic tool to make the gospel look beautiful. Thank you that the grand story of the Bible is one story of patience. We're at the right time. You sent forth Jesus, born under the law, to redeem people like us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this year. Thank you for all the blessings you've poured out on us again and again and again. Blessings we do not deserve. And so, Father, help us to long. Help us to long. Help us to be wise as we long. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.